Welcome to Everything Imaginable, a podcast for curious minds. KGRA Radio. Welcome everyone to another episode of Everything Imaginable. My name is Gary Cacciolo, your host, and today we have Amanda Steele, author of Hello. Ghost of Me. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me on the show. So I, I see you've, you've written a bunch of books, but the one we're going to talk, I guess, mostly about is Ghosts of Me. Um, yeah. But first I wanted to ask you a, a couple of questions, like, a lot of your books are about paranormal. What got you interested in paranormal? I've always had an interest in it. I think a lot of the time when I was a child and my dad used to take us to different places, I always used to have the feeling that I'd been there before. Hmm. Have you ever had any paranormal experiences? I've had quite a few. I think the one that sticks to mind was, unfortunately, my dad died about three and a half years ago. And I was lying in bed moping around feeling sorry for myself. And over here in the UK, in Yorkshire, where we're from, um, quite tough. And my dad would probably like not be very happy to see me lying around like that. And he'd tell me, you know, get over yourself. And the picture that had been on my wall for quite a while fell off the wall. And it just felt like my dad saying to me, what have you got to be upset about? Oh, that's so funny. You know, I, I had an experience where my mom had passed away and I was taking care of my father. My father was a real grouchy guy. And every time like he would say something like mean to me and my wife, like a picture would fall down. <laughs> I knew I knew it was just my mom like yelling at my dad like, in her own way. <laughs> Yeah, it, it was comforting in a way. Like most people would say, oh, their father came to them and said, oh, I still don't love you or whatever from the other side. But that, I suppose, in his own way, would have been his way of saying that by making the picture fall off his wall and saying, get out of bed, you know, stop feeling sorry for yourself. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely believe that even after people leave their bodies, they're still with us. You know, like in some ways, I still feel like my parents are even um, closer now sometimes than, than they were when they were alive. It's weird. Yeah, yeah, I get that. My mom's still alive, but my dad, I often think of him like every time I say something and I think, oh, he would have liked that. And I can imagine what he would say. Like, it feels like he's actually there saying it right there. Yeah, I definitely believe they're still with us in some other form. Um, so what is the book Ghost in Me about? So well, I started this about seven or eight years ago and it's one that I left and came back to and I just spent a lot of time thinking about what would it be like if I died and I had to solve my own murder. Like most people think, oh, maybe that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it, starts in the, it starts in the morgue and she just finds her own dead body. And most people would freak out and panic. And as a coping mechanism, and she's a big fan of shows like CSI, she decides she's going to set out to try and solve her own murder using the knowledge from TV shows. So she already knows that she's dead. Like when she sees her body, she's like, oh man, I'm dead. And yeah, I gotta figure this starts, out. Yeah, she starts looking at the injuries and thinking, I can't have done this to myself. It doesn't look like an accident. And like, this might be murder. Who's killed me? So how does a ghost go about trying to solve their own murder? 
Oh, it's difficult at first because she's a ghost, so she can't pick things up. And she comes across a character called Steve, who's a recluse, and he can see ghosts. So they kind of help each other in a way, because she tries to coax him out of his house, and he tries to help her. But even though he's very reluctant at first, and he just wants her to go away, and he wants all the ghosts to leave him alone. Oh. Does she end up helping him out in any type of way? I think she does, but she also makes things worse for him in a lot of ways as well. I think she gets him into an awful lot of trouble. Is she mischief? Like, uh, like, cause mischief? It's more that she just keeps dragging him into a quest to try and solve a murder and bring the killer to justice. And even though she doesn't want him to get into trouble, he's the only person who can do certain things that she can't do as a ghost, so she drags him into it. Um... The murderer, is he like a serial killer type of guy or was it somebody she knew or you can't give that away? I can't really give that away. There is a prologue at the beginning that's from the serial killer's point of view, but it doesn't give away who it is. But she suspects quite a few people during the book and she learns a lot about people that even if they're not murderers, they're not the people that she thought they were. So it sort of unfolds like in an Agatha Christie type of way? Um, in a way, yeah. And it's a lot about like when you're alive and people you say stuff to your face and they might act like they like you, but when you're a ghost and you can actually witness them talking about you and they don't realise you're there, you actually discover that they don't feel that way about you and there's certain things about you that are annoying that they can say more openly when you're not around anymore. You mean there's, after she dies, people start talking trash about her? <laughs> a little bit. There's a bit in the cafe where she works, and there's a couple that she's always got on with, and she's quite a chatty person, and she's always talking to them when she takes their order. She thinks that they like her. And then she witnesses them not realising that she's died, asking another waitress, when are we going to get served and make sure that redhead doesn't, come out and serve us because she's so irritating the way she yabbers on all the time so she's quite shocked to overhear that because she thought oh I thought they liked me <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds like there's no shortage of uh, humour in this book yeah there's a lot of dark humour but it's quite sinister in some places but I think I had to add the dark humour as well because it'd be very depressing otherwise and um it, you said like this was a book that you started and you, writing and you put it down and went back to writing it. Um, when you did that, like when you went back to, like I know I've had this experience when I've tried to go back and, and finish something I started writing a couple of years ago. First I read it and I say, oh man, I, I just got to start over again. <laughs> yeah, I did that in a way. I had about three or four chapters and I kind of expanded those and changed a lot. And I think if I'd gone on and finished it back then when I started it, it'd have been a completely different book to the one that came out years later. Yeah. Like I also sometimes like when I read stuff, like I have a book out, but when I go out, like when I read it now, I'm like, man, this book sucks. <laughs> have you ever have you ever had that where you where you write something and then you go back and you read it and you're like, what was I thinking? A little bit. I've got some women's fiction books that are the first books that I've released, and even though I see something in them still, I've kind of moved on to paranormal and dark stuff, and 
so as somebody pointed out recently, everybody dies in all of my work. So <laughs> looking back at that, it's like, well, okay, I've 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 wrote that, and I'm glad that I've wrote that, but I've moved on now, so I won't go back to that genre again now. Do you think though, like 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 when somebody points something like that out to you, do you ever like think like, um, you know, what it is it in yourself that makes you lean in that direction to write that type of storyline and have that type of ending? It's not intentional, but I look at writing as being therapeutic. So as long as like people in my books are getting killed, it's like the rest of the time I can be a normal, well balanced person. And it's the romance writers that I'm worried about because they're writing really nice, happy things, which means the rest of the time they have to let their anger out somewhere else, which is in the real world. Interesting. Because I, I think sometimes, and, and I think about this even when I'm writing something, it's like I'm afraid of revealing something subconsciously in myself to my readers. Yeah. <laughs> Well, as well. <laughs> Have you ever had that happen to you? Like, oh, you know what? This might reveal too much of my own real personality, so I'm going to take this out. <laughs> yeah, I've got a bit of a reputation now with the writers that I know. They're always joking and trying to encourage me to write that. Like, I've been attending the workshop online, and I'm there trying to write nice, happy things, but the prompts that they keep giving me, knowing the stuff that I write, is leading me down back to writing paranormal and death and destruction again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, I've just always had that, that weird paranoia about revealing too much about myself in my books. Um, I think it's fine. I think most people will realise it's fiction. Yeah. Unless it's not. <laughs> but I, I think, you know, there's a fine line between fiction and reality. I mean, look at how many things have been written in science fiction that have come true. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. You know, when, you, when like space travel and, you know, probably eventually time travel will come true. Um, so, so a lot of those things eventually manifest. Like that's one of the reasons I call my podcast, everything imaginable because everything that exists that we know was, was first imagined by somebody. Yeah. I think there's a lot that's not come true as well though. Like we don't have aliens on earth yet that we know of, or at least not openly. You don't we don't have flying cars. <laughs> yeah. I think if they could make the flying cars, they just don't want to because maybe it's not profitable. Yeah. Then, we, then we wouldn't need roads and people to man, you know, take care of the roads and stuff like that. So, it, you know, our society is a lot about money. Yeah, yeah. Um. So how about the zombie books? Like, um, do do you think? How was I looking at? Like, one of your books was about um, them not being able to tell the zombie difference between the zombies and living humans. Yeah, I tried to put a different spin on it. I started with um, the novella, which is after the zombies because I'm a big fan of The Walking Dead and my sister's birthday was coming up about three months after I started writing it 
and she's a zombie fan as well. So I wrote the book for her and I realised I'm not going to have time to do a full novel. So it was a novella. And then I enjoyed it so much, I followed it up with Not Human. And I tried to put a spell on it so the zombie hybrids and the zombies can talk. And you don't know if it's like a bit of a stupid human or if it's a zombie that's intelligent. So you can't really tell the difference anymore until it kills you. <laughs> so these are zombies that can actually think. Yeah. In, in, a, in a way, anyway, it's like they're sort of brainwashed. So they can't think like you, you and me, but they can have a conversation and pass as being sort of not, in, not very intelligent, but still human. Are these zombies created by like something from the government? How did it come about? Yeah, it's, it's always the government. They're always creating these zombies. <laughs> Interesting. Do, do you think zombies could ever become a real thing, like a real threat? I'm not sure. I remember a few years back, my sister was trying to explain it to me and it went over my head about how there could be a zombie apocalypse. But I think that's probably the one of the few apocalypses that I would get to survive because it's fairly simple as long as they're the slow ones and they're not the kind that charge at you. You just mm -hmm. sort of line up and whack them all over the head. <laughs> I think the zombie thing compares a lot to, to like a virus because the way they spread, you know, they bite somebody or whatever, and then they become a virus. And it, yeah. like it just keeps spreading, and that's what makes it would make the situation difficult. Um, have you ever written a book about viruses? No, the closest I've come has been the the zombie books that I've written. But I might do one day because I've written a lot of other genres. Because because I think with the current situation, I, I had recently interviewed a guy who. Um, he made something that's similar to a zombie movie, um, but it, it was a virus that was sort of creating the situation, making the zombies, and the government's way of dealing with it was just containment, and they just contained everybody, th the situation, and sort of let everybody kill each other. Um, yeah. In my um, After the Zombies book, something similar to that happens. Everyone's contained in Manchester in the UK. And when they try to escape, they're like surrounded by the army and they get shot at. Hmm. Um, what is your view on like, uh, have you ever written any books on like witchcraft or anything like that? I did a trilogy of novellas a while back that I've unpublished that I might put back up again sometime if I get around to editing them again. And that was called Hope and Magic and it was sort of a mix of dark fairy tales and witchcraft. And there were a lot of bad witches that tried to take over the world and the main character was a witch. And a few others were witches as well and they had powers and they were trying to stop the witches and to do that they had to take everybody's power away including the main character because she was getting corrupted as well so they had to destroy magic to save the world okay um in the uk is there like a room real witches 
that live there? Because like, I know like, like Stonehenge and stuff. I always see it on TV and, you know, like witches hanging out there. I know if we've got people who practice witchcraft and call themselves Wiccans. It depends what you call really witches, really. Are if you, you mean by doing spells, mm-hmm. then yeah. But if you mean by shooting power, powers out of their hands, then probably not. Um, so how long have you been writing? Uh, most of my life, but I've started taking it seriously in the last four or five years. I did some courses. I don't know if you've heard of the Open University. And uh, how many books have you written? Oh, more than 10, but some of them are short projects. Like I've got one with um, 12 pieces of flash fiction where I kill Santa Claus in different ways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I haven't tried writing flash fiction. I've thought about it. But they're kind yeah, of just... It's, it's... Oh, go ahead. It's a good thing to do. If you haven't got much time to read, then you can read the whole story in like less than five minutes. Uh, let's see. And you have this book here, 12 Deaths of Father Christmas. What's that one? Yeah. So that's 12 pieces of flash fiction and Santa Claus dies in different and horrible ways. But obviously if any children are listening, I don't know if they are, then obviously it's not the real Santa Claus, so don't worry. <laughs> Ah, so that's why it says not for children. Yeah. <laughs> so how does Santa die? Does he like fall out of his sleigh? Get stuck in his so chimney? Get so shot there's, at? There's one where he has to go work in a hospital and he dies in the hospital. And then there's another one where he gets run over by a train because there's a train strike, but he doesn't realize that there's like emergency trains running. So he gets run over by the train or the train track. um and also in your description you do you you have your own podcast yeah it's called reading in bed and we review books on there and we've also got a little spin-off called reading in bed extracts where we read extracts of books who's your favorite author I love Stephen King. He's he's just so clever the way he comes, the ideas he comes out with, and just the way he writes. And nothing's safe as well. It's like animals, children. It's like everybody just dies. So <laughs> yeah, he's definitely not afraid to kill off the kids. At least in yeah. at least in the books. In the movies, they usually don't do it, but in his books, he always does. Um, yeah, it's like as a writer, I, I would probably be a bit reluctant to do that but with Stephen King it's like he does that and he can get away with it because of who he is yeah what, what's your favorite Stephen King book I've just read um Sanctuary that one's your favorite yeah I'd say that's my favorite and there's also one called The Cell as well that I picked up in a charity shop last year which is a bit like his version of Zombies hmm. and it's sparked off by something on their cell phones that sends them into being zombie-like. I haven't read that one. Maybe that's where the whole 5G conspiracy came from. <laughs> yeah, it could be. It's <laughs> Stephen King's tied it. <laughs> yeah. Have you, have you ever read some of his, like, um, I think my favorite is Regu- The Regulators. I think it was called. No, I've not. 
I've not read that it, one. It, it was like the, it was a sequel to Desperation. Oh, right. Yeah, I'll have to look that one up. Yeah, there's a lot I've not read. He's, he's read quite a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've read those. I've read the uh, Gunslinger se- series. I yeah, that, I read the first like, one. That was like seven or eight books. I've read, I've read quite a few of his books. I sat through the audio version of The Stand last month, and that was 47 hours of audio. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a little long for me. Oh, maybe not, though, because have you ever read Anne Rice? No, I've not read that. No. I've got a big list of books to read someday, but there's about a thousand of them, so I'll never get around to all of them. Hmm. Now, Anne Rice, like, Witching Hour is really good. It's, it's, it's very, very long. And it starts out kind of slow. Yeah. But once you get into it, it's good. And the first book, like, it's wrong. And then there's, like, a whole series built off of it. Just like she has the Vampires series, too. Yeah, I used to be a big fan of vampires back in the days of Buffy. And I think zombies have become the new vampires now, in a way. I'm still fascinated by by vampires. Yeah, I, but there's only so many different takes you can do on the vampire theme. True, true. Have you ever watched, um, I don't know if you guys have that TV show, um, Vampire Diaries? Yeah, I watched that until, I don't know what season it was, but the last few seasons I stopped watching it because I lost interest in it. Well, the first couple of seasons I really enjoyed. Yeah. Did you ever see the spin-off, the originals? Yeah, I was the same with that as well. I watched a couple of seasons and then lost interest. Hmm. See, I really liked the originals. The originals was my favorite because of the character Klaus. I yeah. like I like really dramatic, over-the-top characters. Yeah, but it felt like it got a bit softer as it went along. I didn't really like the character after that. Oh. It's yeah. part of why I lost interest, I think. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I guess he did become a little bit more emotional. But, but I still like Klaus. Like, if I were to be a vampire, I would want to be Klaus. Yeah. <laughs> if you had a choice of any supernatural being well, to be, what would it be? Oh, I think I'd want to be a shapeshifter. A shapeshifter? Why? Yeah. You can just shift into anyone. So you you would just want to be anybody that you want to be? Yeah, so you could just get into all kinds of trouble being whoever you want to be, using people's faces. <laughs> Have you written a book on a shapeshifter yet? There is one in my young adult fiction, but he doesn't get into half as much trouble as I would if I was a shapeshifter. Hmm. I don't know what I would do if I was a shapeshifter. I've never even considered it. Have you ever thought about writing an alien book? No, I've not considered that one yet, but I'll add it to the list. (laughs) Do you believe in aliens? I think a lot of the reports are probably fake and made up, but I do think there's something to it. I think it's probably a small percentage of what people talk about. So it's hard to know who's telling the truth and who's not, but there's definitely more than us. 
How about cryptids? I don't know. You know, like, you know, like Bigfoot, Loch Ness Monster, stuff like that? No, I don't think so. There's probably like big animals and things like that leaving footprints, but nothing to that extent. It's, I think it's explained. It's easy to explain. I don't know. He, I mean, definitely here in the United States, I think there's definitely some creature that that can't be explained. Because there's so much evidence, you know, the tracks, pictures, film footage. It has yeah. to be something. Well, um, over here, we're supposed to have the Loch Ness Monster in Scotland, and all the pictures that are taken of it are always fuzzy and blurry, and you can't see anything. And it's like, now we've got smartphones and all this technology, you'd think people would be able to take a better picture now. But maybe it's because... Uh, Whatever it is that people are trying to photograph is shifting in and out of our reality. Maybe it's multidimensional. And that's what yeah. causes the pictures to be blurry. I could explain it. Yeah. Do you believe in other dimensions? I'm not sure, actually. I listened to one of your podcasts a while back that you did with someone talking about, um, oh, what was it, past lives and like different dimensions and parallel lives. And that struck a chord with me because there's been times before where I felt that there's somebody living my life and having more success than me. Yeah, yeah. I actually have another episode coming up on that same topic. It's a long one. It's like <laughs> like three hour episode. Oh wow! Um, but but that's like one of the the big topics that I tend to cover quite a bit. Is, is that type of idea that, that there's multiple selves existing all at the same time. Yeah, yeah, I find that really interesting. It's something I'm going to look into and start reading more Because there's been times when I've done stuff that most of the time you think people would have more success from that and it's just gone down flat. And I've just thought to myself, there's someone in some sort of parallel world or life or whatever, living my life who's having that success, and that's why it's not worked for me. So it'd be interesting to learn more about that. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and sometimes, like, I, and I told this story like, on a lot of pod, on my podcast a lot about, like, when I had a seizure, and um, I, was at, I had a seizure for about, it was about 20 minutes I was out unconscious, and then about a week later, I received a book in the mail called Time Paradoxes. And the receipt was six months in the future. <laughs> so, so I was wondering, like, maybe somehow I contacted, like, a future self and had that book sent to me. <laughs> Do you think something like that could be possible? I don't know, because then wouldn't you have to check your credit card six months into the future to see if future self charges that, it to that, your credit that card? That was the funny thing. It was never charged anything either. And, and it came from Oxford University. It wasn't like a, um Amazon type of book or anything like that. It was really I strange. Think it's, just, it's one of those things that you might never understand. I've had stuff like that. <laughs> either that or... or one of my nephews played a joke on me. I don't know. Um, so, what other authors do you like other than Stephen King? Have you ever read like Kurt Vonnegut? 
Um, no, but there's an author that I read recently called David Jackson who wrote a book called The Resident, and that's about a serial killer who's running away from the police and he hides in the loft, and then he discovers that the loft in that house can get him to all the houses in, on that street. So he starts stalking the residents of those houses and planning to kill them off one by one. <laughs> What is the scariest thing that could happen to you? Like, what is it that you're most afraid of? Other clowns. than clowns? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so I guess you're not a fan of uh, Stephen King's It. Oh, I can watch it, but if if you just tell yourself it's not real, but if the clown actually turned up here, then that'd be different and. Uh, you'd find out how fast I can really run and it'd be faster than I thought I could. Wow. Do you guys have like, uh, like here in the United States, like around Halloween, there's this weird thing where people dress up as clowns and, and run around and scare people. Like they'll hide in a bush, jump out in front of a car, stuff like that. Do they do that there? Um, some people do dress up as clowns, but there's people dressing up as lots of things. Well, there was a story, I don't know if this was true, a couple of years back, and people were just dressing up as clowns, like, in the early hours of the morning and standing outside in, like, quiet roads holding a bunch of balloons and just standing there. So when people looked out the window, they'd just see a freak-looking clown standing there holding a bunch of balloons. <laughs> That's pretty cool. <laughs> I think if I looked out of my window and saw that, I'd freak out. See, I would be the one dressed as the clown. <laughs> but I'm sure there was a story and I don't know if that was in the UK or if it was in America where somebody did it and somebody got so scared they turned around and stabbed the clown so it went a bit wrong there was somebody here I think who who got shot trying to play a a clown prank yeah that's the thing if people are really scared of them and they see the clown jumping out at them. You don't know what's going to happen, do you? Why do you think people are afraid of clowns? I don't know where it's come from. I mean, I know there's horror films, but it's got to have come from somewhere before the films for them to think that would make a good horror film. I mean, clowns are supposed to be entertaining to children and safe and have balloons and, and you know, be silly. How did they become scary? It might be because they've like, got big painted on smiles and they look so happy all the time. And it's like nobody can be that happy unless they're up to something. How about the big shoes? Yeah, so they can run after you faster. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, you, write a, you ever thought about writing a clown book? Oh, no, I, don't, I think I'd be too scared writing a clown book. I won't be able to sleep at night. I'd just be thinking about clowns all, ta- all the time. <laughs> How often do you think about clowns? Um, not that often, but if I... If I I'd avoid the circus unless I know there's definitely not going to be clowns there. So you won't go to a circus or the big top or a carnival? No, I think there's a lot of circuses now that don't have clowns there. So I think I'd be all right as long as 
I'd look through all the pictures and make sure there's no pictures of clowns. And then if a clown does come on, I might just run out of the circus. <laughs> <laughs> so now everybody who listens to this podcast is going to know you're afraid of clowns. Yeah. <laughs> and they're going to try to scare you with clowns. You know that. Oh, God. I look forward to all the messages with the pictures of clowns. <laughs> <laughs> people, yeah, people be emailing you pictures of clowns, texting you pictures of clowns, tagging your Facebook oh. with pictures of clowns. <laughs> I'll, I'll make a big collage out of them, shall I? <laughs> <laughs> In fact, that's what I'll probably name this episode Amanda Steele. Afraid of clowns. Yeah, that's a that's a good title. <laughs> and you have to find a nice picture of a clown to go with it. Yes. <laughs> so much for promoting the book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember actually what an ex did to me once. He got a big massive clown toy and he hung it from the shower. So when I went to the toilet at about three o'clock in the morning and switched the light on. The clock was just hanging. <laughs> You're probably going to start receiving like clown mail. Yeah, that's something to look forward to. <laughs> <laughs> Can't you send it to my other self who's living my parallel life? <laughs> She'll like it. <laughs> so is, is writing your main source of income? Um, it wasn't until the virus. Obviously, things have got a bit quiet at the moment. So I'm just doing things and volunteering and keeping myself busy at the moment. Um, I, I saw on your website, too, you do some other, like, proofreading and stuff like that. Yeah. I, um, I did my creative writing MA, and then I had a bit of free time in between work and stuff. So I went and did an editing course and the ghostwriting course. So it just gives me more options when I'm applying for work now. Do you ever offer your services like on Fiverr? I did a little bit, but people were expecting like two hours work for like $5 and it's not enough to even power my laptop up for that really. Yeah. They charge more now. It's not just that $5 thing anymore. Yeah, I did I did get a couple of bits of work doing critiques with people and they seemed happy with it. Well, the thing is, you need a lot of feedback, I think, and to get feedback, you need work. So it's just where it's like you've got to try and get one to get the other. How do you market your books on uh, Amazon? Like I found, that's actually one thing I found very hard to do is to get people to review my book. Yeah, I'm on a website called Booksprout. And I give away free copies on there so people can get free copies before it's out and then they can leave reviews. So you tend to get a percentage of them that just read the book and don't leave a review, but you also get some that will leave a review as well. So maybe if you get 10 reviewers, you might get maybe four or five of them that actually leave a review. Yeah, because reviews really help sell the book on Amazon. The first yeah. thing people will read the reviews before they'll read the description of the book. It, um, and I've also been um, put as a finalist as well. I forgot to mention for Ghost of Me in the Author Elite Awards, which I know doesn't carry as much weight as some of the big awards, but it's something to add to my blurb as well. Yes. 
Do, do you uh, have a publisher or do you self-publish? I self-publish. I had two small publishers in the past and they both went bust, so I just decided to self-publish because I, I just like being able to set the price as well because when I was with a publisher, I had a small book and they were putting it on as £15. And I just felt really awkward like asking people to buy it and spend £15 when you can go into a bookshop and maybe get free books for that. Yeah. yeah. So now I can set my own price now and decide when it comes out and promote it in the way that I want to. Do you, do you make your own book covers? Yeah, I do now. When I first started out, I did some really awful book covers. But I just sort of learnt from my mistakes and I'm quite pleased with my recent ones. And I've had a lot of feedback as well. But there you was use, an awful, there was an awful book cover. I use a one called Canva and I take mm-hmm. a lot of my own photos and then I alter them. That's cool. I have a subscription at to Canva too to make marketing materials for my podcast. So recently I put out, I, I made some designs and I attached them like the t-shirts and coffee mugs and stuff so I can try to make some money that way. Yeah, before all the virus and everything, I used to go to a lot of spoken word nights and I used to do bookmarks and give them out and used to turn up and do my reading wearing the t-shirt of my book. Um, so what, what else is... Um, what 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 would be a good reason for one of my listeners to buy Ghost in Me? Like, what what is the? Um... I think if you like crime and you like paranormal stuff and you want to see them mixed together in one book, I think it's good. And it's as realistic as well as I can make it, even though it might not be based on fact. Uh-huh. I just tried to do it in a way where I thought, well, what would I do in this situation? How would I cope with finding myself dead? And obviously my first answer was to freak out, but that wouldn't make a very good book, so I had to go with my next answer after that. <laughs> so what would happen, do you think, if, like, say your ghost character has can only communicate with this guy, Steve. What if Steve fell in love with her? I did worry that people would think it was going that way and she does seem to develop feelings for him but she realises nothing's going to happen because she's dead and he just sees her as a friend and I don't, I don't think he would see himself like getting into a relationship with a ghost but she does kind of set him up with somebody else near the end of the book even though it doesn't show how that ends up but the sequel uh-huh. might show that I think there's like a whole genre of like paranormal sex books out there. Yeah, I did. Read, when I first got my Kindle about four or five years ago, there were a lot of free books and it was mostly that kind of book. So I read a lot of those and I ended up sort of writing along that style, but in a sort of sarcastic way, like uh-huh. taking, like making fun of it. <laughs> <laughs> And I think there's one story actually I wrote that was about 10,000 words long about an angel and a demon that fall in love with each other and they're supposed to fight to the death to save the world. And it was really over the top and it used a lot of phrases that I'd read in these books, but it wasn't serious. 
And then in the end, I went back to it and started replacing all the rude words with Pokemon names. Mm -hmm. But obviously, I can't do anything with that now for copywriting reasons. But I've read it out a few nights, and I've had a friend read it out a few nights as well, and it's always got a lot of response, and people found it really funny. That's interesting. Like... That's actually a really good concept, I think. An angel and a demon hooking up. Yeah, but I think there's so many books out there. But then again, there's so many books in ev of everything out there. So I suppose you just have to pick what you enjoy writing the most. Yeah. Well, when do you do most of your writing? Do you do it like at night or in the day? Do you have a particular routine that you follow? No, usually it's in the day, but it just depends. Like if I've got any copywriting work on, and that's the paid work at the moment, so that comes first, and then you just try and do all the other bits as and when you can fit them in. Yeah, I, I always have trouble disciplining myself to write. I like putting away, you know, having like 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 if I have free time. To write, I'll typically find some, something else to do other than write for some reason. Even though, yeah. I, even though I enjoy it, you know, I, I still will, I don't know. It's, it's hard to get motivated sometimes or to, or to organize my ideas to, to actually write them. Yeah, I think a lot of being writers as well isn't actually sitting down and writing anymore, especially if you've self-published. But even if you're a publisher, you've got to do a lot. So, like, I'm doing, like, submission reading for an online publication at the moment, and then I'm writing book reviews and doing this book, book review podcast, just all as part of ways to, like, build my name up, really. And then you, it might be maybe an hour or two a day where I get down to the actual writing. It's a lot of work writing. Yeah. Um, trying to think of some more questions to ask. Let's see here. Hold on one second. Let me get my phone up here. What's Pieces of Me? Uh, so that's a poetry collection. And like most poetry collections, people bring out either on one subject, but because I've done so many different subjects, I called it Pieces of Me because there's different bits. So there's like poems about fairy tales, um, poems about grief and losing someone, and just like little bits and pieces. So that's why I called it Pieces of Me. When I read that title, I had thought of like somebody being chopped up into pieces. <laughs> no, I wish I wish I'd thought of doing that though. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. See, even my non-sinister book have sinister titles. The Takeover. Yeah, that's the second book in my Destiny Initiative series, which is young adult books. And that's about like descendants of mythical creatures. So there's like a mermaid descendant and shapeshifter descendant and like dragon descendants and all kinds of like creatures like that. And they've got an important mission to try and save the world from this organization called the Destroyers. 
that want to let these people with an important destiny get killed because they think the earth would be better if like millions of people either got killed off or were never born. How, how do you come up with like all these creatures and sort of creating a, a whole mythical world? Well, that book, the first book, I came up with the idea when I was on a zombie walk for Halloween. And I was talking with my friends, one of them's my partner now, and I was saying, oh, I'm going to write this young adult book. And it just started unfolding the idea in my head as we walked around dressed as zombies and like looking through windows and scaring at people who were having the meals when all these zombies were walking past. Lockdown. That's the um, poetry book that I did. I think most writers have done something on lockdown. So I just did a little collection called um, Always Darkest Before Dawn. That's pretty cool. Not a lot of people write chat books. I have a friend of mine who's sort of famous for that. Yeah, because... It's like it's easy to do it all on the same subject if it's just a chat book. If you're doing between 50 and 100 poems in one collection, it can get a bit repetitive if you start writing it all in the same subject. How to write wrong. Yeah, that's an interactive fiction book. So it's about a writer. So it's not really a woman or man. It can be either depending on the person who's reading it. And they go through and make the choices about what they want to do on their journey to get publishing. And once quite a lot of the options, the character dies in that as well, trying to become a writer. Well, sometimes he just dies on stage. <laughs> <laughs> like I read the title, I'm just thinking like, this is just how to write. Everything what not to do to write. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I used I used to do a magazine. I used I created a magazine called Printed Words, and I had a lot of people sending submissions in for that. And I based it loosely on some of the things that people said when they got rejected, where they didn't take it so well, and also on like open mic nights I went to where people tried to outstay the welcome and read fifteen minutes when the maximum was three minutes. And then I just kind of exaggerated it, so it's not really based on those people anymore. What is uh, the printed words publication? So people submit, like, is it poetry, short stories? So that ran for 18 months now. It doesn't run as a magazine anymore, but we've got our first anthology out, which is getting donated to different cancer charities in the UK. And that was inspired by my dad dying of cancer three and a half years ago. So we've got 43 readers from all over the UK who have sent in writing. And we're doing the book launch in just over a week online now because we're not really having events over here. Yeah, we were talking about this book before we started the show, Love, Dates and Other Nightmares. Yeah, <laughs> that's based on bad dates I had back when I was single and doing online dating. So yeah. I wrote one for every bad date. <laughs> So how many bad dates are in this book? It was shorter before I got together with my partner and it was all based on bad dates. And then when I got together with my partner, I thought, well, it is called Love Dates and Other Nightmares, so I should put some like nice love poems in there as well. So I went back and re-edited and added some. 
but there's probably about 20 people in there who have written poems about who I had bad dates with. Did you ever go on a bad date with the same person twice? No, I had somebody message me who had gone on a bad date with, who obviously had forgotten because he'd been around everyone else and got back to me. And I just said, well, it didn't work out last time. And then I think he called me a few names, actually. It was very insulting to me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What was the worst date you've ever been on? I decided to go on a date with a writer because I thought, well, we'll both have something to talk about, both being writers. And he started reading his um, war books to me that was set in World War One, I think it was. And he started putting on the over-the-top British voices of the soldiers when they were in battle and got shot. And then in the final scene, the guy got shot and he clutched his own chest and fell onto the floor as if he'd been shot. And then you were still lying there two minutes later, and I like just all sat there thinking, okay, you know, you've made your point. It's <laughs> still lying there, and I just thought, okay, I'm going to get up and leave now because I don't think I think he's going to lie there all night. <laughs> I mean, he might still be there for all I know. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever um, purposely, you know, ruined a date because you didn't like a person? I've made excuses back when I used to go running a lot at like seven o'clock in the morning and said that I was really keen and I've got to get up in the morning because I go running at five and things like that. (laughs) (laughs) And then I used to have my dad call me as well at a certain time, but I've never had to like pretend it's an excuse to leave. But I did used to get him to call me just in case I needed to make an excuse to leave, like there's a family emergency. Yeah, I've had women do that to me, actually. Um, But you're good now, right? You have a boyfriend or a husband now? Yeah, I've got a fiancé now. In uh, Christmas this year, we'd have been together for four years. So I don't have to write those poems anymore. (laughs) Five years, that's a long time. Well, four years, but it's a long time still. You guys live together? Yeah, I moved in at the beginning of this year. Fortunately, before like all the lockdown and everything, I'd just moved in and got settled in. And then we got locked down. Ha- has it been easy or difficult adjusting to living with somebody? It's not been too bad. Um, we've both been working from home a lot as well. So yeah, I know like some couples have struggled and I know, I know a few that have broken up, so... We were just saying the other day how we're glad, you know, we were actually quite close before. So we, it could have gone either way, really, and I think it's brought us closer together in some ways. So I'm not going to write about killing him in a book or anything. <laughs> <laughs> um, so where can my listeners find your books at? So um, Ghost of Me is on Amazon and all the usual places and all the different ebooks like Nook and Kindle and Kobo and everything. And most of the others are quite easy to find as well. And I've also got a website called amandasteelwriter.com and I've got links to everything on there as well. Great. And what I can do is, is um, I can post a link to these pages in the notes of the podcast as well so my listeners can find you. Okay.
And uh, also, if you want, you can send me a link to your podcasts and I can post them in there as well. Yeah, and if any of your listeners are readers and want me to consider the extracts, to read an extract out to help promote the book, I'd be happy to do that if it's something I think I can read on the podcast. Yeah. Um, what I'll do is I'll email you before I, I post it. I'm, I'm a couple of weeks ahead on podcasts, so probably about two weeks before I get this episode up. Um, and you can do that. Um, so that would be cool because I'm sure most of my re- my list – Almost all my listeners are probably readers. Yeah. Because most of my guests are usually authors. Good. Yes. All right. Well, thanks for being on the show. Okay. And um, have a great day. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Everything Imaginable. Please like and review this podcast on whatever platform you are using. It helps this podcast move up in the ranks and easier for people to find. Also, tell your friends, family, co-workers, and even that weird uncle. And tell it be that weird uncle. If anyone wants to be a guest, you can email me at everythingimaginable2020 at gmail.com. I'm also on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and LinkedIn. My website is www.everythingimaginable2020.com On Patreon is patreon.com forward slash everythingimaginable. You can make a donation to support this podcast. Remember, everything that is was first imagined. Thank you for listening and see you next week. You know, yes, you can also buy my book, Enlightenment Guarantee, the only book on Zen you'll ever need. It's available on Amazon, Kindle, and paperback.